this is something that you don't get from streaming. You know, yeah. streaming is basically organized noise that goes in one ear and out the other. There's yeah. no context. Yeah. There's no one telling you about the song, the artist, the album. Yeah. So my whole thing is to continue the tradition of radio, which was, tell me something about this music. I don't like that beginning. I wanted to just start out cold. I don't like that intro. It just occurred to me. I'm still on 2439, take two. Tell me about punk rock, because I have heard, I've read well, all kinds of reviews about punk rock. Punk rock is a word used by dilettantes. I thought, well, there's no way that I could ever be in a band, because I can't play guitar like Jimmy Page, or I can't. The numbers will go to 11. Look. With the backstage pass to the Willie Nelson show. I wish you could have been there. Well, maybe you were. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll Backstage Pass. On the first Friday of every month, we will be taking a step back from our bi-weekly chronological history of rock music, and instead, we'll have a conversation with people working in the music industry today. We'll be talking to artists and publicists, managers and producers, musicologists and DJs about their own experiences in music and the state of the industry today. We'll still be doing our regular show every second Monday, so be sure to check out those episodes and visit our website for more information for news, transcripts and sources at msquaredpods.com. And if you like what you're hearing, let us know. You can leave a review, send us an email, like and subscribe, share with friends or all of the above. And if you have a suggestion for an interview or topic to cover, or if you work in the music industry and want to reach out to us, please email us at h2r2 at msquaredpods.com. All the information should be right below in the notes. Today, we start things off with a bang. Last November, I spoke with Alan Cross, DJ and Program Director for CFNY-FM, now 102.1 The Edge in Toronto, and host of the ongoing History of New Music show and podcast, which, not long after we spoke, celebrated its 1,000th episode. We discuss Alan's career in music, his massive podcast, and his new project, Uncharted, Crime and Mayhem in the Music Industry. We also touch on the state of music today and where it might be heading. Alan knows his stuff, and I'm sure you'd rather hear him say it than hear me talk anymore, so please sit back and enjoy the ride. So if you don't mind, all I want to do is just kind of talk quickly about your sort of your career and your projects you're working on now, and then just kind of shift into a, a brief talk about music itself and the future of music in Canada, if that's okay with you. Sure, go. Yeah, so you started in college radio in Winnipeg? I did. I was at the University of Winnipeg, which had a closed-circuit radio station that broadcast to exactly one hallway and one cafeteria. <laughs> and it was a terrible little... It was basically in a closet in the basement in one of the halls. <laughs> But that was the place that got me started, and I was there for about 18 months before I got my first uh, job in, in commercial radio, yeah. uh, and I can tell you that that first day on the air was November the 13th of 1981, so oh, wow. 42 years ago. Yeah. Uh, moved from there to an AM station in Kenora, Ontario, mm -hmm. and then from there to Brandon, Manitoba, then to Winnipeg, and then to CFNY in 1986, and I've pretty much been there every, ever since, with the exception of a, a, a two-year thing at uh, Indy 88 in Toronto. Hey, 
So CFNY, when I say CFNY, what like what comes to your mind immediately when you hear those four letters? Uh, the spirit of radio. This yeah. this influential radio station that uh, back in the day, before streaming, before downloading, before internet file sharing, before social media, um, that was the place where you went to get the newest of the new music, and it was a it was a cultural gatekeeper. It was a trendsetter. It was, well, if you want to put it another way, it was the the social media for for music fans looking for the newest and coolest. Uh, you know, for a very long time until about, to be honest, to be about the late nineties. Uh, that's where you know radio is where you went to get all your information about music. Yeah. Um, it's it's still a good place to get information about music, but. We share that space with uh, all kinds of social media right now. Sure. Yeah, no, CFNY, like, I, I don't think it's putting too fine a point on it, saying it set the tone for alternative music in Canada. I mean, it made it. It, it really did. Not just Canada, but beyond. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, in 2024, there's going to be a documentary about oh, those years. Excellent. We're, we're, uh, we finished principal photography. We're just uh, getting into the edit. In fact, uh, this weekend, I have to look at uh, the most latest, uh, the, the, the latest edit. And then we're going to start licensing all the music that we need for it. And then uh, at some point, and we haven't quite figured out where or how it will make a make a debut, but it's it's a seriously good, big-budget documentary. I mean, we had over a million dollars to work wow. on with this thing. Excellent. So it'll be, um, yeah, just wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think I mentioned to you in my first contact with you that I, I grew up about an hour outside Toronto. And uh, yeah, see if and why I'm like, sitting there with my cassette in hand waiting for that song I wanted to come on and pushing mm -hmm. record. <laughs> yeah, that's fond, fond memories. I, uh, I, you know, when the station moved from Brampton to downtown Toronto, they were going to throw out their vinyl library. Oh, and wow. uh, I just couldn't have that. So uh, I took it home. Oh, wow. <laughs> all, 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 those, all those records that you used to, well, at least about six or seven thousand of the records that were in the library wow uh that you used to listen to growing up yeah i have those records in my basement those actual records so what can you kind of walk me through what as a program director when you were a program director there what what, what sort of job what, what do you do as a program director because in my mind i picture andy travis from wkrp walking around with lps in hand and it's not that far <laughs> off um uh, the way I describe a program director's job is everything that comes out of the speakers is the program director's fault. Uh, and it basically it's, it's, it's the art and science of making sure that the audience is satisfied, is given the things that they want but don't know that they want, and also lion taming and serving as a psychologist for all the creative people that you have working under you. <laughs> Which, you know, is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. It is, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And I, I will say that being a program director was the hardest job I've ever had. I was PD at uh, two stations. And uh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a great experience. I enjoyed it mostly. Um, but uh, I can honestly say, uh, no, I can't. I was going to say that I don't want to do that again, but if I've I've learned so much and you know uh, matured so much that uh, I would actually like to try it again, and I would do it much differently and much better than I did before. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 as a as a program director, like how much leeway did you have to pick new bands to play, or or like how much could you introduce new music? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. There. There, there was there was never any pre well there was always pressure from from record labels to play their music but ultimately 
um, we had the very, 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 very final say. Uh, no one told us what to do. Uh, we used a variety of methods, you know, research um, and gut instinct to determine what we should do. Uh, in the United States, it's a lot different because there's, you know, different pressures and payola and sure. management pressures and so on. Not in Canada. I, I never, ever, 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 ever had anybody try to bribe me to play a song or uh, management pressure saying that, well, you shouldn't be playing this. So um, I was fortunate in that I had, I, you know, I had 100% final say over what got on the air. Excellent. Do you have any moments you remember particularly proud of bands that you you sort of brought to the scene in Toronto and then elsewhere? Well, I can't say that that I did it exclusively, but uh, the way I arranged the music meetings, I had members of the staff come in because they were closer to the street than I was. Okay, yeah. And uh, every once in a while, they'd say, "Hey, we, we've we've heard about this band called City in Color." Oh yeah. Or, or we heard about this band called um, uh, oh, I can't remember their name now. But th there were a number of bands that that these artists or these these people uh, brought in, and. Um, uh, we'd listen to them and go, oh, USS, for example. Okay. It's another one yeah. uh, who had an independent EP, and uh, Barry Taylor brought them in. And we listened to it and go, yeah, no, they're unsigned. Nobody knew who they were, but they're really good. So we added them, we played them, and they began their career. Um, Our Lady Peace might have been another one. Oh, wow. uh, um, yeah, there was a bunch. I saw your interview you did with uh, Chris Martin uh, following, I think it was a 15-year gap between when you had that live concert and you were yeah. arrested. Yeah, that... Uh, the, the, I, I sort of... I, 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 I sort of wanted there to be an event I don't want to say a disturbance, but I wanted to say that we, I wanted to create an event. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't expect what happened. It got completely out of control. <laughs> I think that's the way they usually go. I remember when the, when the Beatles did that back in the, I think it was the Abbey road days, they did their live rooftop concert and the security showed up and the police yeah. showed up. <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. It really did. Uh, I remember that, uh, the band had to be escorted out of their limo and they had, uh, uh, six, uh, mounted cops oh, wow. on horseback <laughs> around their limo, getting them out of the crowd. Oh, and boy. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I had to pay. A, I got a, I got a couple of visits from the uh, Toronto Police Department and had to make a <laughs> visit to a back room at uh, Fifty One Division. So yeah, some promises made. Nope, won't happen again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's talk about some ongoing projects you're working on now. I like the ongoing history of new music. How, how long has uh, ongoing history of new music been going now? It started in January 1993. Or February 1993. So it's 30 years ago. Wow. And uh, coming up in December, it will be the 1,000th oh, wow. one-hour episode. Yeah, yeah, amazing. The name of that band was the Sex Pistols. 
And despite the fact that their first live gig wasn't much of a hit, music was never to be quite the same. This is the ongoing history of new music on CFNY 102.1. Welcome to the ongoing history of new music. I'm Alan Cross, and it's going to be our mission to track what happened to music between punk and the present. Yeah, something special planned for the thousand? Yes, we do have something planned. Uh, by the time this airs, uh, you'll have heard it. Yeah, excellent. Wow, okay. And uh, was it started just as a side project for yourself or as a radio show? No, I was, I, I was assigned it. I didn't want to do it. But oh. new management had this thing that the station needed to expand its, its, uh, its reach and not be so too cool for the room, which admittedly is what had happened to the station over the previous four or five years. I see. So in order to make it more inclusive, the idea was to create this program that would uh, educate people about where all this alternative music came from. And they found one guy with a history degree, me, and <laughs> said, you're doing it, and here's what it's called. <laughs> and uh, I did not want to do it. I, honest to God, I did not want to do it, but my choice was either do this or find another line of work. So I had just gotten married. I just got a house. I had no choice. Um, but I'm, you know, obviously I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I hadn't miraculously, serendipitously turned it into, uh, turned these lemons into lemonade. Um, yeah. It was the right time, the right place, the right music, the right demographics. So many things had to come together at exactly that time for the show to become established and take off. So um, I'm, uh, I it's it's a miracle. It is absolutely an utter miracle that it uh, it's still here. It's an incredible show. Like when you go back over past episodes, the the range of material you cover and have covered, it's incredible, and the depth. Yeah, it's the depth is something I'm very proud of. I mean, I'm a detail-oriented person. The idea is to not just rehash the same old, same old, but what I want to do is give you a new perspective, a new context, and new new detail on 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 music, so that it has more meaning. Um, you know, knowledge is power, and if I can give you uh, some information about something dealing with the music you love, that enriches your musical experience plus then you can go share that with your friends yeah. and then they'll go wow that's cool and you'll be validated and who are you going to be grateful to me so <laughs> yeah that's that's the way it's always been you know tell me something i don't know tell me something that's cool tell me something that my friends don't know yeah and uh that's that's always been the driving force this is something that you don't get from streaming. You know, yeah. streaming is basically organized noise that goes in one ear and out the other. There's yeah. no context. Yeah. There's no one telling you about the song, the artist, the album, uh, the scene, the sounds, the recording process. None of that. There are no liner notes. There's lyrics in some cases, but uh, it's, it's just not the same. Yeah. So my whole thing is to continue the tradition of radio, which was tell me something about this music. Excellent. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. In fact, I'm going to tell you, it was the inspiration I had. I was listening to it this summer at one point. I think it was when you did a multi-part series on the history of alternative music from mm. from the Stooges or from Iggy Pop anyway and and, and uh, Velvet Underground onwards. And I was thinking, like, oh, I didn't... I, I realized 
listening to music my whole life, I didn't actually know the eras and the time periods and who knew who and when. I thought, well, Bowie knew like Iggy Pop and Lou Reed. And it was like, wow, I didn't know any of that. And yeah. I thought I started thinking, I should, I got to learn more. And that's why I started doing what I'm doing. Yeah, they're all connected. And, yeah. and uh, there's uh, one show I did called Connections. Yes. Which yeah. connected together things that you have no idea were actually related. I've got another one coming up a little bit later. Those shows are really hard to do because you've got to cast your net so <laughs> extremely wide. Yeah. And then synthesize all this disparate information that doesn't seem to be connected, but actually is. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. That And the throwback to James Burke and his... Uh... His show, the connection yeah. show. Oh, that was such a great show. I'm looking for it. Yeah, he's supposed to have a new one out. I've been waiting. Uh, he's like 130 years old. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can tell you that the new one, for example, will feature the story about how computerized ticketing with something like Ticketmaster actually began with roller derby in the 1950s. Oh, Wow. Yeah, yeah that's a, fascinating. <laughs> it's a weird story. Roller derby. Well, that's fantastic. And so your new show, Uncharted, Crime and Mayhem in the Music Industry, are on episode three, I think, was released uh, recently. Yeah, last week. Yeah, and fantastic. What a great idea as well, merging well, you your know, music knowledge. We, uh, I, 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 my, my podcasts are distributed by a network called Curious Cast, and they mm -hmm. wanted another one. Okay. And I threw a bunch of ideas at them, and eh, they were all kind of lukewarm about it. And then uh, somebody came up with the idea of, well, what about true crime in music? And I thought, well, that's never been done, I don't yeah. think. So let's give it a whirl. And, uh, and okay, so now we, as we're talking here, there are three episodes out. I've written nine, and I've got a long, long list of, of, of topics that I'm going to tackle over the next year. I'm Alan Cross, and have I got some stories for you. This is Uncharted, Crime and Mayhem in the Music Industry, Episode 3. It's music and the mob. And uh, strangely, uh, even before the first episode aired, uh, three TV production companies expressed interest. Wow. So I think we're down to two, and they want to option them uh, and we'll see if they can actually make them happen. So Uncharted could actually become a true crime TV series. And I would, I would love that. Yeah. Oh, I'd look forward to that for sure. The mafia episode that, uh, the most recent one as we were recording right now, that was a fantastic episode. So many things yeah, I didn't one. know. Yeah. And, you know, guys like Morris Levy and yeah. uh, those guys back in the forties that were, you know, the jukebox wars, jukebox yeah. wars. And, Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's dirty. It's really <laughs> dirty. It is, and and these poor artists who were basically robbed of so much in terms of royalties and and pay. hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to the rest of that and television. That'd be amazing to see that as a, as an actual show. Yeah, so uh, I should find out by the end of 2023, I hope, or at least early 2024, whether or not this is actually going forward. So that would be cool. Because I'm always looking for the next thing. The yeah. moment you start to coast, the moment you start to get comfortable, the moment you begin to think that, eh, I've done enough and everything will be gravy from here on in, that's when you're dead. Yeah. That's when you die. Um, radio people all have a best before date on their forehead. And it is incumbent upon them to keep pushing that date back further and further and further and further. And the only way to do that is by 
looking ahead and trying to find something new and different to do um and something that no one else is doing you know it's it's innovate innovate or die that's yeah. really what it is so actually that's a good segue into sort of the future of music and and broadcasting uh I saw your TEDx talk where you talked a few years ago about uh, the, the containers of music and how they shape the kind of music that is contained in them. And you talked about streaming at that time. Where are you thinking now these days about the streaming world? Uh, it's hard to say because we're going to need... Streaming has really only been a thing for a dozen years or so. Spotify first came online in 2008. Apple Music didn't come for a couple of years later. And then we saw... Uh, a shakeout in the streaming music business with uh, companies like Songza and Mog and RDO disappear. Um, right now, there's this big there's there's a, a lots of competition between Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Google Music, um, and, and a, a Tidal and Deezer and Cobuzz and, and a few others. So well, I think what we'll end up seeing is some consolidation. I mean, there are too many streamers right now, and none of them are particularly profitable. We don't know about Apple. We don't know about Amazon because they're owned by giant companies, and this is just a rounding error, you know, change in the couch cushions for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Spotify this past quarter actually made some money, which not much, but, you know, they have, they have lost hundreds of millions of dollars. So there'll be some consolidation. I don't know what that means. Uh, prices will probably go up further. Uh, on the other hand, what is happening now is that we are getting better audio quality. For for twenty some years, everybody seemed to be happy with the the crappy quality of MP3s. Well, now that bandwidth is more available and data is getting cheaper, uh, these streaming companies are now offering, with the exception of Spotify, they're a little late to the party. Um, they're offering high-resolution audio, which is actually better than CD quality. Oh, wow. And so the, the CD, which was supposedly perfect sound forever, is, is, has been, is, is being superseded now by higher-quality on-demand audio streams, which sound fantastic. Yeah. Plus, the newest thing is immersive sound. So Apple Spatial Audio, uh, Sony 360, um, Dolby Atmos, which, if done properly, are spectacular oh, in terms of audio quality. Whether or not the public adopts that is another thing, but I don't think we'll have a choice because um, high-res audio has been around for quite some time, but you needed special equipment to play it back on. For example, there was a Neil Young's Pono player okay. that uh, was shaped like a Toblerone bar that <laughs> did do very well. I remember that. Uh, you know, and they, these these you know, Sony has these uh, expensive Walkmans that play uh, digital music, um, un uncompressed digital music, high res. Uh, now uh, we're getting to the point where high res music will become the standard, and not some, you know, three hundred twenty kilobytes per second stream. It'll be you know, twenty four bit, ninety six kilohertz sampling, oh, yeah. which is. Um, roughly twice the resolution of the compact disc and at the threshold of the ability of human hearing. Yeah. So we're you know, Apple has Apple's already encoding a lot of their stuff in spatial audio. Um their uh title, Amazon Music, 
uh, and a few others are already broadcasting in high reso audio. So um, that's the future of streaming right now is better sounding audio. Yeah. And I know, and, and on top of that, though, you have the, as you mentioned in your talk, the, the difficulty for a newcomer to music finding new music. Well, that's, of... that's a problem. I mean, with, with Spotify, the, the latest number I've heard from some record label heads is that uh, about 100,000 new songs are added to Spotify every day. Wow. Every day. <laughs> and when you consider the back in the day that uh, a large music store, the largest music store, would maybe have 100,000 titles in stock yeah. at any one time. That's how much we're getting a day. And um, all the streaming music services draw from the same pool of music. And that is numbering somewhere between 110 and 120 million songs now. So there's too much music out there. Yeah. None of us can get through all of it. Um, it's estimated that approximately 20% of all the songs sitting on Spotify servers have never been played once. <laughs> And if you have a Spotify account, you can go onto a site called Forgotify, and it will play you a constant stream of music that no one has ever heard before, except the creators. I I, I wonder because in your technology episode of Ongoing History, I remember you mentioned John Philip Sousa, the marching mm -hmm. band king, who was opposed to recording because it destroyed the live experience. I wonder if we kind of, I paradoxically, come full circle back to that where we have so much music. To a newcomer, it's all of equal value, which means it's almost all of the no value because you don't know what's what. It's the live experience that's the real experience anymore, the authentic experience, I guess. It's, yeah, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, when we bought pieces of plastic for our music, we made a financial investment in it. And damn it, we were going to listen to that piece of plastic over and over and over again until <laughs> we learned to like every single song on it. Otherwise, right. it was a financial failure. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you know, music is like water it's it's practically free in some cases it, it is free um so you know we don't savor music like we used to yeah uh because there's always something else out there and there's this um this 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 sense that yeah what i'm listening to is now is good but there's got to be something even better out there and unless you spend time you know creating playlists for yourself of all the favorite songs that you find and then go back to those playlists and listen again and again it, this music doesn't sink in it just comes in and it goes yeah and uh the barrier to entry to getting into the music business these days is so low i mean all you need is a, a laptop in your bedroom <laughs> and a microphone and you can do something that's pretty good in terms of quality audio quality and then using a company like TuneCore, you can upload it to all the streaming music services simultaneously uh, for nothing yeah. and suddenly you have global distribution of your music which is fantastic in theory but the problem is that everybody else is doing exactly the same thing that's right so uh and not only are you competing with your contemporaries your peers but you're competing with the greatest music ever recorded yeah so it's it's hard it's and, really, really hard and on top of that now you're competing possibly with ai i don't know if you, what your yeah and that, that's but... That's that's a whole other situation uh, that I'll explore with an ongoing history oh, program in the future. Um, but yeah, so what you know, what is going to be the role of AI in all this? Um, is it going to be AI generated music? I haven't seen any real demand for it in terms of music that's uh, that 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 people do want to hear. There is 
a role for AI-generated music, uh, production music, incidental music, non-copyrightable music, music that you can use in a podcast without sure. having to pay royalties on. I mean, all these things are legitimate uses for this kind of music. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we are seeing virtual artists that somehow are releasing music that may be computer-generated. Uh, we're not entirely sure. Uh, but at the same time, AI is not is not creative. It can only spit out music based on what it's trained with. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that it has to be trained with real music made by real human beings. Not just the singers and the musicians, but the producers, the engineers, and everybody else that went into making that song. Yeah. So we're starting to see some lawsuits right now where uh, labels and publishers are suing AI companies who are generating music based on the training they got from copyrighted material. Ah, okay. So what we're starting to see is how all this is going to shake out legally. It's it's not unlike what we saw back in the day with sampling. When when sampling first appeared in the in the 90s, the early or I guess it was the late 80s early 90s, um everybody went nuts and sampled everything. And that was going to be the death of music because you were just recycling old stuff and um people were getting ripped off and not compensated or or acknowledged for their for the music of theirs that was being sampled for new music. And that went on for a few years until lawyers got involved and negotiations began. And now sampling is a standard sort of tool that musicians will use. And uh, if you sample something and don't get permission for that sample, well, you're going to get sued up yin-yang for it, which is the way it should be. Yeah. So this is what we're sort of, I think, what we're heading towards with AI. Um, there are companies that now have a way of detecting whether or not a file is made with AI-generated music. Um, the Grammys and the Junos have said that we will not use, you know, you can, if you want to submit an AI-generated song, 100%, we're not going to submit it, we're not going to consider it. Uh, performing rights organizations like SOCAN in Canada have said, no, uh, we're not paying out royalties to a machine, it has to be created by a human. So we're starting to see things work their way out. Um, Spotify is is taking some uh, new actions to uh, get rid of what they call fake or fraudulent songs on their on their um, platform. For example, you you could very easily we could do it in a couple of minutes. Is uh, get Johnny Cash to sing a Taylor Swift song. List of ex lovers, they'll tell you I'm insane. Cause you know I love the players and you love the game. Cause we're young and we're reckless. Post that on Spotify. Well, Taylor Swift didn't give her permission for that. Johnny Cash certainly didn't give his permission for that. So who should be getting the credit for this? Well, certainly not the computer program, certainly not the person that said, hey, get uh, Johnny Cash to sing a Taylor Swift song. So that's all, it's all going to be sorted out for the next five to 10 years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about the legal side of things. I was just thinking about the creative side of things, but that's definitely a major. No, the, the legal side of things is the thing that's going to drive it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've run across this many, many times. I mean, yeah. uh, the British Musicians Union once wanted to have synthesizers banned because it put orchestra players out of business. Yeah. We, right. we, we worked our way through that. Yeah. 
Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Uh, maybe in the future we can talk again sometime down the road, and, uh, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you very much, and uh, let me know when this is out, and I'll give it a post. You bet, definitely. Okay, thank you very okay. much. You're welcome. So that was our conversation with Alan Cross. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. We certainly covered quite a few topics from his own career through artificial intelligence and streaming and the future of sound and music. I uh, hope you uh, all learned a little bit of something. I certainly did. Um, check out his shows, uh, The Ongoing History of New Music and Uncharted. I'll put links in the uh, notes below the show here. And uh, let me know if you like this sort of thing. Uh, we have lots more planned and we have several already in the can ready to go. Um, yeah, let me know who you'd like to talk to or what you'd like to learn. Thank you all for listening, and please uh, tune in again and check out our other show, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, The Story of Rock, out every other week. <laughs>